This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, Matt, here we are. We're getting ready into week number 16. I can't believe we are here week 16. It's crazy stuff, man. Uh, this is the time. I'm, so, I'm just, and I don't know. I know we've been doing this week 18 thing for a minute now, but it just feels like in years past week 16, this is when it's over. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, how are you holding up, pal? I, we're we're going to do a little bit of a year-end retrospective here in, in today's show as well. You know, I'm I'm really good. Uh, I've enjoyed this year of football, honestly. Um, I know it's been weird. It's been it has. wild, obviously, with so many of the backup quarterbacks. But I really do think that's made – it's made the league interesting. And and I know that this is not what the NFL wants. Like, right. They don't no. want to be marketing. <clears throat> they don't want to be marketing, you know, Jake Browning V uh, Mason Rudolph and in, in, no <laughs> on Saturday oh football, God. you know, the day before Christmas Eve, Jeez. that's not what they want. Obviously I do think though, just again, this is my opinion. I know we want prime, you know, primetime quarterbacks, big time quarterbacks, and certainly, you know, like losing Aaron Rodgers, bummer, right? Like God. that's obviously first right five away. minutes of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's some some of that stuff really sucks, and obviously it sucks for the players. But I do think, from just like a team perspective, uh-huh. I think it, it has helped separate the haves versus the have-nots a little bit. I mean, mm. that Bengals Steelers game is a great example. The Steelers didn't even have it when they had their starting quarterback. So that's a whole nother thing. Um, But like, it's really like they're floundering now, you know, like we've got, you know, damn, we're on a week long media cycle about George Pickens's effort, you know, on, on plays as, as they're about to start Mason Rudolph heading again into week 16. Meanwhile, the, yeah, no, no, go ahead. Fish your thought. Uh, me- meanwhile, the Bengals are, 
you know, potentially going to be in the mix for the playoffs with Jake Browning because I think their coaching staff has helped solve problems, not to keep picking on the Steelers, but look yeah. at them again last week. The Indianapolis Colts are literally running out a preseason squad, James. I mean, it's it's Gardner Minshew and then, like, oh, Zach Moss gets hurt. Like, Zach Moss is their backup running yeah. back. They run all over the Steelers with damn Trey Sermon. Remember Trey Sermon? Trey Tyler Sermon. Goodson. Who and like Tyler Goodson? My- Michael Pittman gets hurt and DJ Montgomery comes. I, dude, I don't have, I don't have an, an RP profile for uh, DJ Montgomery. So I do think that it's made the league fascinating in that it has shown from obviously if like you're a film dork, if you're a scheme dork, you know, yeah. which I clearly am <laughs> like it, it does, I think make for an interesting watch, like studying some of these teams and, and again, helping sort of see like the haves and have nots in the NFL. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, the, the thing with um, George Pickens in the effort level, um, Guys, don't forget that earlier in the season, this same idea was brought up about Chase Claypool. You know what I mean? So it's it's interesting to me, right? Like, I love Mike Tomlin. I think that he's an underrated coach. People think he's a good coach, but I think he's underrated because I think he's a great coach, right? Mm. Um, but if there is any real black eye mark to maybe this guy's tenure is done and his effectiveness as a a leader is done might be the wide receiver room, you know, because, and I get it. These guys, these boys are frustrated. You know, their quarterback situation has been, it's been a nightmare for like five years now, whether we're talking about dead arm, big Ben, Kenny Pickett hasn't been able to get it done. And obviously now they're trotting out Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky. It's been, it's a nightmare. And I understand that from from the wide receiver perspective. We're a wide receiver show, so I get, you know I get it. Man. But I mean, the effort level uh, from again, we're talking two of your three starters, right? Uh, and, and and by the way, Deontay Johnson, yeah, not without thing. his own criticism of uh, about effort level this year, right? So I don't know, man. Like to me, that's where I kind of say, all right. Maybe, uh, maybe it's run its course here with Mike Tomlin. And, and, and again, I just go back to, I think Mike Tomlin is vastly underrated um, and what he's been able to kind of sort of, you know, navigate the personalities that he's been able to navigate and, and, and go out there and be above 500 each and every year. People just, just don't talk about it enough, man. It's, but I'm just saying in the year of our Lord, 2023, it may be time um, for Mike Tomlin to kind of look at uh, greener pastures, honestly. I mean, yeah, I know there's a lot of frustrated Steelers fans that are done with Mike Tomlin. And I think there is like a like both things can be true here that maybe it's time for a divorce versus also like, yeah, he's a great coach that if he was let go by the Steelers, he'd be hired, you know, like that. In a right. Second. Yeah. With same with thing with Andy Reid. Right. Like Andy Reid, they let they they fired Andy Reid. They let him go. He was hired immediately. No, like year off. You know, right. I'm gonna Mike. Mac- no I'm gonna TV. Mike McCarthy it. And oh yeah, no, no, no Sean Payton TV. Uh-huh. No uh, Mike McCarthy. Like I'm gonna fake visit Pro Football Focus and rebrand myself as an analytics guy. None of that. It just goes right back to coaching. He, and he goes wins Super Bowls uh, a, with the Chiefs. And by the way, the Eagles won a Super Bowl without Andy Reid. And and like I know they're in a. Their fans are all done with them right now, too, but they're one of the best operations in the NFL, even without Andy Reid. So maybe the same thing could happen with the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. But I, I'm with you that, you know, because the the Tomlin always says, like, the standard is the standard. It's like, well, what is the standard? And then has that kind of withered away? Um, right. And I think the receiver position is a good one to bring up. Like, And honestly, though, like, 
I want to say this without being too harsh because, like, I don't, I don't know George Pickens and I don't know anything about him. But and and like, I always try to talk respectfully about players and stuff like that, right? Right. At the same time, though, like, George Pickens has to be the most unaccomplished receiver that we're having like this effort conversation <laughs> with, like. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Like when like, oh, we're, we're complaining about not getting the ball. And it's like, dude, you're a, you're a run of the mill second year receiver, man. Like same with Chase, dude. And same thing with Chase Claypool and like a guy like Elijah Moore, same thing in his second year. Sure. You you know what, man, like go out and be great. And honestly, the Pickens thing is especially egregious because like it just simple as this. It started with a bunch of myth making in the off season about what the rookie year film was. Period. End uh-huh. of story. Like there were profiles written about this guy because he had like some cool catches as a rookie. Okay, like that just is what it is. And and I think, I was gonna say remember- is George Pickens not? He's he won he won Twitter. He won the he won Twitter and he won Sports Center. That's what he's won. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like there, there's just he's not in a he, he's a guy that fell in the second round. By the way, because of like knucklehead concerns, you know, and and he did have an ACL injury. Maybe he would have gone on to become like a really great collegiate player. But it was a lot of like theory. I always talk about this. It was theory and myth making with him too, because it was oh this this might be the next best Georgia receiver since AJ Green. And then ah, but he did get hurt and he had some you know off field concerns. Like okay, but he never became that player. Like right. that never happened in college. His, his college <laughs> RP profile was pretty good, but it wasn't like any, it wasn't like a elite prospect type of thing, you know? And I yeah. sampled the early seasons, right? Like, okay. So there, there, there wasn't this, he might've looked like he was going to become that guy as a freshman, but he never became that guy. And he wasn't that guy as an NFL rookie. Like I think in George Pickens own mind, he, this is 100% true. He thinks he's better than he is. And it, honestly, it's the same thing with Chase Claypool. Remember when he went, mm. I don't remember what show it was, it was on or whatever, but when remember he went on a show like after his rookie year and said he was one of the top three receivers in the NFL. <laughs> wow. Remember that? Like, wow. and, and these guys, again, they get it into their head that they're going to be better than they are. And, <sighs> and like, again, it comes back to Mike Tomlin. Like you, it's one thing to build these guys up and give them confidence. And yeah. And, and look, you can let some goofy stuff slide when it's like Antonio Brown and like say whatever you want about Antonio Brown. And you can say a lot of stuff about Antonio Brown, yeah. uh, the person and, right. and all that stuff. But that guy was a relentless work ethic player. Like he yeah, was relentless. a sixth round pick that became one of the best receivers to ever put on the freaking pads because he was relentless about his diet, about his, uh, his, his athletic workouts. I mean, everything, this guy and, and the technical part of the wide receiver position. He's one of the best separators, one of the best route runners, um, in reception perception history because he was a guy that worked really hard at it. Like this right. is a hard job. You can't just go in there and r- run go routes at 70% speed and, and win contested catches and be a great receiver. That's not being a great receiver. Like having highlights over Joey Porter jr. In, in training camp and people, you know, retweeting a thousand times, that doesn't make you a great receiver. Like there's so much more to it. And I, <laughs> I think that there, I think there's Damn. been a slip in the standard Damn. in Pittsburgh. Otherwise we're not having this conversation. No, you're right. Uh, I think you're 100% right. And I think there's a, uh, a lack of veteran leadership, too. Uh, when you take a look at, um, you know, uh, the, the veteran leadership, especially on the offensive side of the football, like they don't have veteran leaders. You know, and, oh, how and dare I think- you? How dare you besmirch Allen Robinson, who, by the way, like if you actually watch that clip 
Uh, if you, I'm serious, I know you're, you're making faces at me, but I, and the people at home are rolling their eyes too. I can hear it. I can hear it, even though the pod's not published. But if you actually watch that yeah. clip though, of uh, of the George Pickens like loafing it on the block and him saying he didn't want to get injured, okay, yeah, um, right. yeah, okay. Uh, and and then if you actually watch Allen Robinson on that play, he is he is literally slamming a guy, blocking him into the back, like into the backfield to spring Jalen Warren on the initial rush attempt. So I it just you're right though. I mean, obviously they that is. It's like their only veteran player. Otherwise, it's all young guys. All young dudes, all looking for contracts, right? And uh, it's just a bad mix. It's a bad mix, mm-hmm. especially when you're working with a guy like Mike Tomlin who wants to let you kind of sort of be yourself and do your thing. And, you know, he's very much a player's coach. But, man, um, I don't know. Pittsburgh's in a world of hurt um, right now. I, I, and it's just lifeless. It's a lifeless operation, especially as we uh, bring this year to a close. Okay. Um, going to be talking about a lot, of, a lot of different players here. Uh, I want to talk about Jameson Williams. I want to talk about Rasheed Rice. Um, it, again, we're getting to the end of the year here. Matt's going to give us uh, a player that he felt like he was the most right on coming into 2023 and a player he was the most wrong on. Uh, and then again, for the listeners out there, who would you rather be for the next five years, the Atlanta Falcons or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Now, I know the vibes are all wrong in Atlanta, but just give that a little consideration. We're going to get to that uh, in today's show. But I, I do want to start off, Matt, here uh, talking about Jamison Williams. I, I know that you have done some work uh, in regards to charting Jamison Williams, the, the um, uh, wide receiver there in Detroit. Um, and from what I understand... Matt Harmon, the, the, the findings are not that great right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so we can talk about the uh, Saturday football performance too, um, because I didn't chart that game before doing this sample. Um, we talked about him on the Sicko stream uh, the day before that game, actually on Friday. But uh, so the games that I sampled, uh, it was the Bears. It was one of the Bears games, and then the Saints game where he had that long rushing touchdown. Um, and so what I found in that game is one, like they're not having him do a whole lot. I mean, he is lining up at the X receiver position and that's it. Um, in these two games, 94.7% of his snaps 
were as a on the on the ball receiver, like on the line of scrimmage, right? And he is primarily like we're talking almost eighty percent player outside. So in these two games, he's mostly just as like an X receiver, and it's not like he's running all go routes, but he's running a you know running a good bit of vertical routes. Like twenty four point four percent of his routes were go routes, fourteen point six percent of his routes were corner routes. It's a lot of vertical route stuff. Um, you know, so so keep that in mind with again when we talk about these success rates. But like, dude, the guy is not was not getting open. I mean, he is not separating from tight physical coverage. Twenty four point four percent of his routes were uh, were against press coverage. Thirty percent success rate. Forty one point five percent of his routes against man coverage. Twenty three point five percent success Oy. rate. I mean, that is really poor. Um, there's really Whoa. not a lot of good stuff in terms of the separation down the field. Like he is still clearly uh, learning how to play receiver at the NFL level. Um, I think obviously he's he's fast. He's got some talent, but in terms of like selling routes and and really the technical part of the game, that is still clearly clearly a work in progress. Is he fast though? I mean, it's kind yeah, of like we were we were sold question. this idea that Jamison Williams is really, really fast. And I got to be 100% honest with you. I, I guess I just don't see it. You know, I, I don't see a freakishly fast player. I see a player who's fast. Yeah, sure. But not like, oh, my God, fast. I, I guess I'm I don't know. I, what do you think? Yeah, so uh, you look at that rush attempt against the against the Saints, and he's like shot out of a cannon from a rush attempt perspective. Uh, I think when you get him going in that way, he's got some real speed from a horizontal horizontal perspective. Um, but I do think when you're asking him to run vertical routes, like I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see like a freaky fast player, right? And and maybe he is never going to be as fast as he was prior to tearing his ACL. That was right. one of the risks of. Of drafting this guy, you know, when you well, one of the biggest selling points is he can outrun an entire SEC defense, which is true. By the way, his collegiate film, he could he literally could get behind an entire SEC defense. But then he tears his ACL. You have to ask, is he ever going to be that type of player again? So far right. in the NFL, I don't think we've seen it. And by the way, it's like well, I don't really care how fast you are. If you, you've got to be able to to sell your routes and like do work with a little deception here, a little bit of technique. He just doesn't have a lot of time on task doing these things from an NFL perspective. You know, I actually joked <laughs> and, and this is a joke by the way, because one thing that you consistently see when you watch the lions offense is I think Ben Johnson does a lot of great things. I think that the number one thing that is um, most impressive about Ben Johnson's offense is the like spacing and the route concepts and how all these things work together, right? Mm -hmm. Like so many offenses, you see guys running in the same area of the field, right. much less like running the exact same route. Totally. You know, we're running, we're running like combo routes of outs and corners and, and all kinds of stuff that just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't work together. Every route in the lions offense one route is designed okay the player doesn't win on it it is going to free up somebody else right um mm -hmm. there are other offenses do a great job of it obviously san francisco i think houston we've talked about it uh nico collins and tank dell how those two guys were working in concert when they were healthy but i don't think any offense has better spacing and has better route combinations than the detroit lions offense so i actually joked on 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 twitter and, and it is a joke 
like, did the Lions trade up to draft Jamison Williams just to run clear out routes and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> that's it, right? Like, yeah, man, wow, what he's so fast and people are going to respect that speed. Imagine him clearing out routes for Amon Ross and Brown. I know they didn't draft him, but like at the time he wasn't on the team, but like Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs, man, he's going to clear. And you know what? To Jamison Williams' credit, he is clearing out a lot of space for those boys underneath. Um, oh but God, obviously you don't, you don't really trade up to the 12th overall pick and, no. and draft Jamison Williams to do that but I do think from the like the vision perspective what they wanted from this player is to be a dynamic vertical threat uh and and open up space for these guys underneath which again to their credit is happening even without the player having yet broken out himself okay so give me those success rates and again this is a small smaller sample here but uh, success yeah. rate versus man what what have you scored uh, for for Jamison Williams thus far R- right two game sample it, it's not going to be indicative of a full profile but uh, yeah the success rate versus man is 23.5 percent 23.5 percent all-time low in uh, reception perception history is Justin Hunter at 31.9 percent success rate versus man success rate we versus have, we zone have, we where have we brought at? up Justin Hunter way too I much know. on this podcast <laughs> I know we which is not good, by the way. If we're doing, if we're bringing up the Justin Hunter number, it means we've been talking about some disappointing players. Yes, hundred percent. Success rate versus zone in this two-game sample. Where are we at? Thirty-seven point five percent. Thirty-seven point five percent. Again, all-time low. Justin Hunter again, forty-four point one percent. So we are not off to a good sampling start here. Uh, for Jamison Williams. Now, maybe his Saturday game will help him a bit against Denver, although I don't know, man. Seven well, targets, four grabs for 47. Go ahead. So let's talk about that Saturday game um, because just watching that game, again, I haven't charted it to put it in this sample yet, but yeah. if you just look at his targets in that game, there actually was, I think, at the very least, an intentional um, – like some an intentional ability and and pursuit to get him the ball, right? Like there's a difference between like okay, let's have you win in in your, on your routes and like be a part of the progression and all that stuff versus like an intentional ability to like a pursuit to get him the ball. And we talk about this like James Cook at the running back position. I feel like James Cook's targets right now are so much more intentional than mm-hmm. they were under Ken Dorsey, which is good coaching and good design. Uh, so if you just look like. I tar I just again the the routes he's running here um a lot more stuff off the line. Uh, the post route, I think, is first target there. Uh, he's off the line in the slot. Now, he doesn't win. He doesn't attack the ball like you want him to. But, again, it, it's like, all right, we're, we're trying to get him into an advantageous spot. His second target screen, he catches it. He's off the ball in the slot. Um, his next catch is as an X receiver, uh, but kind of tighter to the line of scrimmage, not like way far out there at the boundary. Um, it's a big in-breaker. Again, catch uh, fourth target, go route. Uh, this is an X receiver. He's got some contact mid route by Pat Sertan, which that's gonna that's his problem area. No catch. The ball looks like it's overthrown. Uh, again, I think he's disrupted by contact mid route. That's his biggest problem. Right. His, his next catch here, next target is a catch on a quick out route. He's as the flanker receiver. That's the play where he ha- he's in man coverage. Again, he just it's a quick out route, a flat route, whatever, and uh, he makes a pretty nice juke. Gets a first down, 18-yard reception, looks really good doing it. Makes that Broncos defender uh, Moreau look silly. Sixth target here. Now it's a looks like a corner route target. 
kind of gets lost in zone coverage, but he's an off-ball flanker once again. Final target and catch of the day. It's a crossing route. I mean, this is this was, in my opinion, was his best play. It, the Lions do a good bit here, again, to, to try to scheme him open. He is the X receiver. He's on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. But, like, St. Brown is in one of those full-speed motions. So And he breaks outside where Jameson was. Let's see what I'm talking about, like, route combinations, opening people up and working together. He breaks it. He comes outside across the back of Jameson Williams after the ball is snapped. Williams crossing route, man coverage. See that confuses the corners off the line, right? Right. Uh, he right. he takes it inside. He that's where he goes up and gets the ball. I think it's the first play of the fourth quarter. I think he gets a little dinged up after that. But so see what I'm saying? Here's like they're they're finding like intentional ways. I think to get him off the line of scrimmage, some slot plays because that's why I think like even if Jamison Williams is prospect profile, which to me people were talking about him as like if he was not injured, was he the best receiver in that class? No. He's not. He was not on the same tier as Drake uh-huh. London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Period. No way. End of story. Um, but I think he was not because he was not like a true X. But I think he could be a guy that, as a flanker, as a speed player, can do a lot. I do have questions long term if they're going to ask him to be an X receiver that he's that he can do that job. Yeah, um, I, I, that's what I would like to see. Honestly, if he's going to play X, have him, especially with Jared Goff. Uh, and, and again, our guy, you know, QB class, Derek Klassen, has done a great job charting Jared Goff. As a matter of fact, his profile should be up on the website by the time you hear this as well. Um, and and again, what we have seen with Jared Goff is that he's just brilliant throwing in-breaking routes, right? So if you're going to have an X receiver and you want him to be productive, he still needs to run in-breaking routes. So whether it's going to be a crosser, uh, whether it's going to be a post route, whether we're talking about a dig, I don't know if he's got like the hip sync to run an effective dig route. We'll yeah. see. Um, you know, I think a lot of what he does is 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 very you know linear and and straight line. But yeah, I don't know. It's something obviously that you can develop. You know, I'm not I'm not giving up on the kid. But yeah, uh, we haven't seen it as of yet. But if you want to be productive, I think with Jared Goff, you've got to have some in breaking stuff. Which to your point there about you know that that route combination. It's also really nice for Jared Goff too, right? Because he knows, okay, I've got I've got my read over towards um, Amon Ross St. Brown, and if that's not there, then I know that my 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 next read, my eyes are on the same level, right? And we could throw it over on this on this over route um, to Jamison Williams. I, I love that. I, I absolutely love that, and I think that's benefited obviously the Detroit Lions offense and Jared Goff in particular. So it's funny you bring up like these crossing routes and working over the middle as an X receiver. Cause if you look at Jamison Williams college prospect profile, the e- clear as day, you look at the success rate by route chart in 2021, the worst stuff in his game, curl routes, comeback routes. And again, those are like, you're outside. You've got to go beat man coverage one-on-one sell the yeah. vertical route technique, break it back, all that stuff his two worst routes by far. And he ran a decent sample of them as a prospect in this two game sample, five curl routes, 0% success rate, <laughs> one comeback route, 0% yes, success rate. I think that that's where they, that he cannot do that stuff. You got to have him sure. If he's going to be an X make, let's do some in breaking stuff. Yeah. Let's let's, let's work horizontally uh, off yeah. the ball as a flanker. You can get him kind of going from a vertical perspective, 
But it is it is just tough again because these route combinations. It's so critical that somebody carries the deep safety to open up these things for, for, for sure. the guys underneath. I still feel like they are one receiver away, and maybe Jamison Williams becomes that if if Ben Johnson can continue in this plan to unlock Jamison Williams. Yeah, it's just another resume builder for him. At the same time, though. Uh, yeah, I think they they could use like one big body X receiver to to help clear things out. But um, yeah, I think that's just kind of where Jamison Williams is right now. Like it's been even from a non reception perception standpoint, it's been an, um, a concerning start. But I do like that in week seven. Uh, excuse me, not week seven. In seven target game in week fifteen on Saturday against Denver Broncos, they showed an intentional effort to get him the ball in ways that is not just be an X. Go yeah. beat press coverage because I don't think that's going to work for him right now. In uh, 2022, we obviously saw him in extremely limited action, but he only saw nine targets uh, in six games there for the Detroit Lions. Nine targets, only one catch, uh, notably a 41-yarder for touchdown in 2023 now. Um, again, <clears throat> pretty si- pretty limited sample here, but 33 targets overall, but just a 51% catch rate. Obviously not very good uh, and obviously not very efficient as well so it's uh it's been a tough go here for Jamison Williams and it seems as if uh if Matt is right Ben Johnson trying to get a little something out of their um you know I don't know if he's freaky fast but he is fast <laughs> x receiver let's see if they can get a little going there uh as the season wears on and into the playoffs all right a rookie who I think has I think surprised me a lot uh is Rasheed Rice where I thought he was going to be, you know, uh, 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 he's look, he's he's playing with Patrick Mahomes, okay? But yeah, I just didn't think that he was going to be great, you know? And to be honest with you, the last four games, Rasheed Rice has just been straight up great. 9.5 targets over his last, uh, averaging 9.5 targets over his last four games. Eight receptions. Dude, the, my guy's catching everything. 84.2% completion rate um, for Rasheed Rice. That's just outrageous. 83 and a half receiving yards per game, and he's got three touchdowns in those four games as well. I think it's a very important um, – it's it's important to ask, and, and certainly uh, I'm curious to find your thoughts here. Uh, Rasheed Rice, man, is he actually this good? Is this a rookie breaking out right now in the latter portion of the season? Or – are we talking about a small sample size and basically, to be honest with you, a complete lack of competition for targets at the receiver position? Well, definitely lack of competition uh, for targets in the receiver room. I mean, dude, Kadarius Tony, like, oh, my I, can't God. Even, I can't believe they're still playing Kadarius Tony. He's like, he's like, he's out can't there. Do it. Like, sabot- he's saboteur, uh, Kadarius <laughs> Tony. But, um, you know, we're going to talk about like players I got wrong and stuff like that. I think if you look at, uh, Rishi Rice's reception perception prospect profile. It's like, damn, I gave him a really low grade based on that prospect right. profile. And, and I think that was wrong. But to that being said, you know, I've talked about this a lot um, that that prospect profile was definitely injury tainted. Okay. Like, you know, and I, I said that like right after it came out, cause somebody hit me up. It's like, Hey, just so you know, like he was playing with a really rough, like turf toe situation in his final year in college. So, you know, that might be a reason why, you know, he's is just in terms of separation and stuff yeah. like that. It wasn't very good. So obviously that is one piece of important context. The second thing, and honestly almost is more instructive to future prospects Rasheed Rice in his reception perception prospect profile five game sample um, was lined up outside 
on the right, 83.6% of his snaps, and he was on the line of scrimmage, 70.6%. Um, and like you look at his route tree, 27.5% nine routes, 28.6% curl routes. So that is like X receiver stuff, basically. Like you're the number one X receiver, and we are primarily throwing you jump balls. We're primarily asking you to beat man coverage. And by the way, he was terrible against man coverage in, in that prospect profile because of the injury, but he was also terrible in contested situations too. And the funny thing is, like you look at that, Rasheed Rice could not be doing things any more differently in the NFL. Like he is not playing X receiver and no. he is not, he's not running go routes at all. No, okay. Never. So yeah, never. this guy went from being you. And this is what's so hard about scouting players on like just watching them on film because and not like not scouting them for a specific team, because whatever the chiefs scouting staff was looking at Rasheed Rice doing this stuff, they're seeing okay, we're actually imagining him in a completely different role. And actually, Brett Veach even came out after the draft and said, we envision him as like a, a juju replacement, which I'm like, man, really? Like, because that's not what he did at all in college. But you know what? Good good job by them because didn't couldn't do that stuff in college. Like, it was bad, right? It wasn't... So they found a good use for him um, as, as, this, as this big slot guy. And actually, it's not too dissimilar to Juju Smith-Schuster breaking on the scene early as a, um, like even with the Pittsburgh Steelers, not even just replacing that role for Kansas City. Remember, Juju was like a pure kind of outside receiver for uh, USC yep. when, he was a, when he was a prospect. Totally. And his RP profile was not good there either. But the Steelers looked at him and were like, we're not making him an X receiver on the boundary. We're going to have him be a big slot. And he was dominant as a big slot receiver early for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Rasheed Rice has kind of been dominant as that slot receiver um, for the Kansas City Chiefs just over the last, I mean, obviously pretty much all season he's been great. You mentioned the last few weeks he's been on a tear. The last two weeks are kind of the first weeks that he's had a full-time promotion. Um, he's run around on 82.6% of uh, the dropbacks. For finally, excuse me, 80.2%. Finally, his target share is team high, 23.5%. Right. Um, but his ADOT is still like five, 5.1 average depth of target. He is not doing the downfield stuff. Eight, 105 of those, uh, of his yards the last two games, 163, are after the catch. So mm. this is like, when we're saying like, how good is he? Um, He's really good in this role. Do I think that Kansas City Chiefs absolutely still need an outside receiver? 100%. You know, um, it's good to see Rasheed Rice thriving as an off-ball player, you know, like kind of a 40%, 50% slot player. But, yeah, like he's still running a lot of crossing routes, a lot of screens, a lot of stuff underneath. Um, he'll occasionally win a downfield pass. Like there's still some work that needs to be done. All right, so long-term prospects now, right? So again, he he was an outside X receiver in college. Um, it was actually really, by the way, he was quite productive uh, in college as well. Um, but when you look beyond the box score, you know the RP metrics obviously did not look good, and as you mentioned, injury could have been a major factor. Uh, there, but <clears throat> when we're talking about this player right now, as we see him as a Kansas City Chief, man, over his last four games, if you were just to stretch that out, and I know this is a dangerous game we play, but again, this is how <laughs> good he's been. Okay, um, uh, again, 17 game pace. We're talking about 136 receptions, 1400 yards, thir 13 touchdowns. That's the level that we're talking about 
um, when we're talking about this player in Rasheed Rice. So he has been, I mean, absolutely fantastic. So again, I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit torn on it. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure what we've got in this player here, but I do know that Andy Reid has certainly put him in a place to succeed. So again, I'll throw it back to you. Um, do you think that this is an indication of a player that this is what he is as a player, a 1200 yard, 1300 yard receiver, you know, uh, you give him a bunch of targets, he's going to catch everything. Uh, you give him a bunch of targets, he's going to go for double digit touchdowns. Is that the player we're looking at here in Rasheed Rice? Yeah, I think he can be that productive, right? Because we talked about this with these slot receiver types. It does depend on context and surroundings and ecosystems. Again, I'll use the Juju example when he was um, not the number one target, but they had Antonio Brown there to clear things out and dictate yeah. doubles. And, and then Juju is just dominating zone coverage. Um, at, at that point of his career, it was like, and, and it's honestly been this way for any time Juju's been in a good offense because the offense went to hell, you know, obviously under aging Ben and, and, and they had other guys, right? Um, you know, just a nightmare offense, obviously, for the yeah. latter part of the Juju Pittsburgh years. But even in, in Kansas City, you know, he was good for the Chiefs because he could dominate zone coverage and he could be a guy that wins on these crossing routes and stuff like that. And and he could win after the catch. And and it's like, okay, yeah, he doesn't beat man coverage, but so what? Because they're the way they're using him, they're never gonna be like a it's never gonna be a situation where, okay, well, now we're gonna have the number one corner on him, we're gonna press him in the slot. It just like structurally defenses don't work like that. We think like it does, but it doesn't work like that. You're not gonna break all of your rules as a defensive per, like defense defensive play caller to account for Rasheed Rice. It's just not how it's gonna happen because you, you're gonna get flamed route combinations otherwise. So part of part of me is like, yeah, there are clearly flaws in his game and and like look, what the moment in RP I, I see he's beaten man press coverage, we can have another conversation. Okay. But the player that he the, the player that he is right now, like in the rookie report, he was near 80% success rate for his zone. He was great on dig routes and curl routes and slant routes and flat routes. Like those are the routes like breaking over the middle that he's going to have to, not the flat route and the curl route, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? These crossing yeah. routes and slants and digs and stuff like that. That's what he's going to have to do if he's going to be like a 1,200-yard slot a slot receiver. And obviously he's going to need to be in the right ecosystem. We certainly think that this is the right ecosystem. Okay, so um, it kind of dovetails into this next question here. Of uh, I want, I'm just curious. You know, again, we we get things right, we get things wrong here, um, and we tr and we try to do the best we can here. But what is the player that you feel like? And we'll start with the negative man. Who, who do you feel like you were the most wrong on in 2023 coming in? You know, I actually I really feel like the takes were good this year. I feel like RP was good this year uh, on the rookies, especially. Um, sure, you know, I think was great. I will say the two things I'll say, I'll give you two that um, one kind of hard to know because like obviously Calvin Ridley coming back from, you know, a, a year and away from football, I was expecting more uh, from him as a player. We haven't seen, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen him be, we've seen him be, I think a, a good starting outside receiver, but we haven't seen him be close to the old form no. that he, he was. So I, I definitely, you know, I said this, at the time when the trade happened, I wanted to remain cautiously optimistic. And then by the time we got to week one, I was no longer <laughs> cautious. I was in. I, I do in. regret that. I wish I had just <laughs> let the process play out, right? Talked yeah. about like double counting and everything. The pl the player, though, I think I got most wrong. Um, it, we'll stick in Kansas City. I was really expecting more from Sky Moore this year. Um, you know, his rookie year wasn't good. 
Uh, but I was willing to think like, all right, he was a developmental player based on his collegiate profile. He had some skills in college. They were giving him year one to develop, and then year two was going to be the time to unleash him. I actually think that was the plan. I think mm-hmm. I got the plan right. The thing is, he didn't develop, okay? He was not good this year. He's on IR now, uh, and the, even the in-season data, like from week one, it was super, super concerning. So, yeah, I think he is the player. If I had to think like something I got really wrong, I was hoping that Skymore would develop into kind of the prospect I thought he was going to be coming into the league. It hasn't happened. Okay, so if if I can, you know, give you a little grace there, man. At the same time, I think we both assumed, and I think most everybody assumed that when they drafted Rasheed Rice, they were going to stick Rasheed Rice on the outside. I mean, this is yeah. what this man did in college, and I think the reason people got so excited about Sky Moore, I know I certainly did, was okay. They move on from Juju. What does that mean? Okay, Sky Moore now gets a kick inside, and I thought that last year he just looked really good. Um, mm-hmm. as a player, as an inside wide receiver. That wasn't the plan. That wasn't that. I mean, that wasn't the plan. I think from the jump, they really wanted to get Rasheed Rice involved in the inside. And they thought maybe they could get away with Sky Moore playing a little flanker, a little outside X. And, and obviously that just, that failed miserably, right. miserably. Uh, and I don't think, and we talked about this with Chris Godwin um, on our last episode, but there are certain areas and you talk about this all the time slot receiver x receiver practically two completely different positions yeah i mean you just look on the season skymore according to fantasy points data has run 65% of his routes outside now if you had if you had given me that information like prior to the season right like no way i don't think no. he could be a 65 percent outside <laughs> player like he doesn't need to be a pure sl- i would have probably thought he didn't need to be a slot only player maybe he does need to be a slot only player like a, a third receiver that comes on the field in, in those sort of packages i mean shoot if he can even play like i don't i don't even know if he can play period but um i would have thought that was the optimal role but you know what at the same time again to give kansas city credit like would you rather have uh, even Sky Moore at his best, which is like kind of a poor man's Golden Tate was the player comp I gave him coming yeah. to the NFL, like a poor man's Golden Tate type? Or would you have like, I mean, dude, Rasheed Rice looks like a friggin' beast in the slot sometimes. Yeah. Like I'd rather have the size and the tackle breaking ability, especially when Kansas City right now, like you need to create offense because you don't have receivers that can create on their own. And like, your other create a touch player, Kadarius Tony, is like, I mean, geez, he's like creating a turnover at this point every time you throw him the ball. So, yeah, your your best way to create offense is with a Rasheed Rice type, get him on crossing routes and break tackle. So, I see why the vision now is, yeah, we, I, I don't think Skymore was ever going to develop into a quality outside player, like just not at 65%, but I see why they don't care about that slot player and they care about this slot player. Yeah, Kadarius Tony's got to be like the antithesis to the MVP. He has to be the least valuable player on a team right now. What is I mean, his EPA per target? It has I to be know. like <laughs> negative six. It has to be. It's so bad. I mean, he literally cost them at least one victory this year. And it's really hard to say that about a wide receiver, man. That is tough. That's crazy. Um, anyways, okay, so flipping it to the positive side of things. Player, you feel like you were the most right on this year. I do actually think, like, to to be negative, though, I actually think that the receivers that P. 
people were over their skis on. I, RP was great for this year. I mean, Jerry Judy, George Pickens, Christian yeah, Watson. Yeah, nailed it, nailed it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, th- those three guys were easy. Like, mm, I, And usually I'm always I'm much more co- uh, uh, confident in forecasting who's going to be good as a, like because guys can just take a step. But those three players were definitely overrated coming into the year. And, you know, um, I got cyber bullied for all three uh, for not being <laughs> higher than consensus. Uh, but so those three, I would say, I mean, in terms of in terms of like the positive side of things, I, it's hard to not say like, you know, we guys we talk about all the time, like Michael Pittman and Nico Collins. Right. Like Iuk, those players. I mean, those guys were, were good. I don't know. Uh, I feel like you definitely you nailed it with Nico Collins um, because again I, I I even said you have a weird affinity for Nico Collins right <laughs> yeah yeah so you nailed it with Nico um, and um, and yeah I think uh, I'm trying to think about another player you know Michael Pittman obviously we love um, yeah man I just you know I think those players to me are, are the guys that I look at that and say yeah this is where RP really came in handy here. Um, and kind of sort of hyped up those dudes a bit. So, uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah, look, this is what RP is about, man. It's like those guys, those three guys, great examples of, they were just, it was not understood how good they are. Um, I think like Ayuk, a little bit separate because there's, there is, I'm not, I'm not the only like Ayuk truther. Like there are other people that were Ayuk truthers. Yeah. But like we were pretty early on the, on the Ayuk thing. Um, even before Kyle Shanahan was on board, we were on board right, right. <laughs> with Brandon Ayuk. But like right, right, those right. three guys, especially right. just a great example of like when the situation around them changes, they had shown from an isolation standpoint, like that they could be great players, not just in like very productive players. When you pair a Nico Collins uh, in Bobby Slowick's offense with C.J. Stroud, reception perception shown he had the talent to beat man coverage and be that type of player. Like Michael Pittman, you're going to get him out of Frank Reich's boring-ass, stale-ass, static-ass <laughs> offense, and you're going to yeah. put him in Shane Steichen's RPO, like get this guy on crossing routes, real crossing routes. Like he, he can be productive even with damn Gardner Minshew, you know? So um, I'm I'm pretty happy that those three guys, I think, are, are – I mean, dude, Michael Pittman's going to get paid. Brandon Ayuk, like – you at times this year looked like he might get some all pro votes. Uh, you know, Nico Collins is like the breakout receiver. Everybody's like, oh man, where did Nico Collins come from? He was nobody before CJ Stroud. I'm like, mm, sorry you didn't watch Texans games. Don't blame you. <laughs> but like, Nico Collins was good before this. So. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, you talked about Brandon Ayuk. It, it does, because um, we talked about, we started the show talking about the Steelers. Boy, it is really interesting though, too, right? Because like, you know, there was a time there in San Francisco, there in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. where it was the whole Debo Brandon Ayuk thing. I mean, that could have absolutely gone sideways too um and here we are i mean it's it's been great yeah i I had a long rant on the yahoo podcast today that kyle shanahan should be the coach of the year um for like we typically always give it to these oh boy like you really exceeded expectations good for you we thought you were going to win two games you won seven or eight or (laughs) fringe made the playoffs Uh or the giants last year you know um, and like that can be a great coaching job, but just like I think the best coaching, the best roster building, you you've built a Death Star of an offense around like yeah, not a bunch of top five picks, but like at one point yeah, Debo Samuel was legit disgruntled, right? Yeah, Remember he wanted out of San Francisco. Exactly. Um, Brandon Ayuk was in like the freaking was, doghouse for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean yeah, look at look at Brandon Ayuk and George Pickens versus on their blocking plays, right? Um, so yeah, it's. 
it it takes uh, it takes a good coach and like a good culture to get someone like a Brandon Ayuk back into the fold when you're going to start playing Trent Sherfield over them. You're going to like put them through the ringer in that way. And, and it takes a lot to come back from that. And yeah, and yeah, it's a, that's a great point. Like look at what's going on in Pittsburgh right now versus what happened with a player like that in San Francisco. Like imagine what George Pickens would do on Instagram if they played a Trent Sherfield type <laughs> over him in Pittsburgh. So, and, and yeah, some of it is just like, look, these guys are young dudes and, you know, they need, they need to grow up. Like, I mean, you could have said the same thing about me when I was 20. I mean, James, you knew me when I was like 20, shout out to me, 23, 24 years old. Yep. Like I needed to grow the F up then too. You That's know, funny. I I still need to grow up about some things for sure. <laughs> like we're all, we're, nobody's perfect. And, and it doesn't like mean George Pickens is a bad guy or Brandon Ayuk was a bad guy, but like, you gotta, you gotta grow up a little. And, and you know, what helps you grow up is like good people around you and, and a good culture. And I think San Francisco yeah. has built a great culture. Yeah, clearly, uh, clearly they have. And also, uh, by the way, just, it, it just makes so much sense bringing a guy like CMC too. He adds to the culture there. He's obviously a great player. Uh, but again, he doesn't take away. He's not a great player that takes away from the culture, right? He actually adds yeah, to it as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, man, it's I, that part of CMC, by the way, um, doesn't get talked about enough. You know, hmm. it's it, he's one of the guys, man. I mean, they asked him about MVP. He said it's Brock Purdy. I mean, <laughs> how many guys are going to cape up for themselves? You know, it's like, no, CMC. And you know who caped up for Purdy. Christian McCaffrey for, for MVP? Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, right. You, exactly. you know, like this yeah. is... I remember talking to George Kittle over the over the summer, and it was really talking about like that was a big part. That's a big part of what they've got going there is that this is an unselfish group. You know, yeah. like Ayuk relishes in the chance to block downfield to spring McCaffrey on seventy yard runs. What definitely helps that though is is that you know at some point it's going to be your turn. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, exactly. That That's where, of, of course, culture and, and motivation and all that stuff is a part of it. But you know what can really get the culture right is when you, um, you have a quarterback and a play caller, even if that quarterback is the last pick of the damn draft. You know, yeah. again, another, another testament to Kyle Shanahan. This isn't like some first – this is a, a guy that uh, – not a first-round pick. Like, is Brock right. Purdy, you know, last yeah. pick in the draft. And, and he might be the MVP of the league, whether you disagree with it or not. He might be the MVP of the league uh, and because and, and he's been developed here. And when you have a guy capable of doing that, like a play caller capable of doing that, you have, a, you have a, a quarterback capable of doing that, you can be like, yeah, Brandon, I, you go bust your ass to, to block right. downfield because you know what? I'm going to hit you on a 20-yard post route uh, in the next drive or the next play, <laughs> whatever. Now, in Pittsburgh, it's like block your ass off for Jalen <laughs> Exactly. And don't get you know don't get targeted for on go routes for another three games or something so yes it is definitely That's there's funny. a lot of factors at play there's a lot yeah, of factors for at play. sure all right uh, so we're gassing up the Niners here uh, we'll, we'll flip it to the other side here uh, I want to talk about two franchises I, I guess the Bucks are, are riding high a little bit especially after last week but the Falcons certainly at, at their nadir right now uh, but who would you rather be for the next five years Matt Harmon would you rather be the Falcons would you rather be the Bucks kind of interesting right where they're in the same division um and i think right now if you're just doing a vibe check right like who who's not going to say the box but i'm talking about for the next five years because for me the falcons when you look at their offensive you know baseline of Bijan robinson drake london kyle pitts uh they move on from their co- i i have to imagine they're gonna move on from arthur smith if they don't i'd be shocked 
Uh, but okay, and and you know, again, they're not in a great position uh, to get a, a quarterback. But uh, you know, the fr- free agency looms. Uh, they might be able to find uh, you know one a, a quarterback in the draft. Who knows? I don't know. But I think from an offensive standpoint, they're they're actually set up quite nicely. But the Bucks, on the other hand. Again, don't love their coaching staff there either, uh, but they've got a Mike Evans, they've got Chris Godwin, but those, both those guys are a little bit aging. Rashad White obviously has burst onto the scene as well. I think another, I don't know how you feel about the, well, I do know how you feel about this. Is it a negative that Baker Mayfield has been playing pretty good football? Because, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like he's played himself to a point with Tampa Bay where you oh, almost yeah. feel like Tampa Bay's got to keep him around for another couple of years, no? Got to probably give him the Geno contract, right? Right. Um, man, it's funny. I oh God, I was so mean to Andy Barons to dare suggest that, you know, we did a podcast in the offseason, like flip the script, you know, who's going to be this year's that, who's going to be this year's this, that, or the other. And he was like, dude, this year's Baker, May- this year's Geno Smith has to be Baker Mayfield. Um, and I was like, no, shut up. But then you look at, I mean, you look at the stats. It's it's him. for Baker Mayfield. I'm it's not, him. I'm not, I'm not saying the the film is as good or whatever. But I mean, man, you know, three thousand or three thousand three hundred passing yards, twenty four touchdowns, eight picks, ninety four point seven passer rating. I get it. You know, these passer rating is not a perfect metric, but we're just doing quick and dirty here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Baker Mayfield's got a 7.4 adjusted yards per attempt. I really value adjusted yards per attempt in evaluating quarterbacks. And then, man, you look at you look at Geno uh, in, in 2022. Um, better completion percentage, sure, but 30 touchdowns, five point, literally the same exact touchdown rate, 5.2 percent for Geno in 22, and 5.2 percent for Baker Mayfield this year. Uh, interception rate, 1.7 for Baker, 1.9 for Geno. Yeah. Um, adjusted yards per attempt, 7.7. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's close. <laughs> it's close. Geno's a little bit better, but it's it's close. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, and again, age 28 for Baker. Geno is actually a little bit older. He was 32 yeah. years old. Like, yeah, he's probably – because he's, he's only here on a one-year deal. I know. You're, I don't think you're going to franchise tag Baker Mayfield, but you probably end up giving him the – the Geno Smith contract. Yeah, you give him a little three-year deal, right? Probably, you know, 90 to 100 million, which sounds insane Uh you could probably get out of it after 2 years or whatever it might be. Right, but yeah. so so yeah, so again, like I I kind of sort of feel like Baker has played himself into that deal, no? Yeah, yeah, I I I think I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a Baker hater uh for sure. So all that, you know, said I do always get concerned about now. I mean, it could be very similar to damn, you know, even oh God, even Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator was the quarterback coach for Gino last year. Oh my God. You know? You're right. Oh my uh, goodness. I hate to say nice things about Andy Barron's, but he really did nail that one. Um, <laughs> so, well, I'll have to give him, uh, no, I won't. I'll only give him props on this show, which he'll never listen to. I good, will not good, do it on, on any of the other shows, but good, yeah, that good, was a great, perfect. great call. And, um, yeah, no, I do get concerned though. I think Canales has shown a lot, uh, you know, could he be a guy that leaves for a head coaching job and then you're, yeah. you're left with Todd Bowles and hiring another Ugh. OC. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of definitely like 
it's not as if it's gone well necessarily for Gino this year consistently in Seattle. So there's a lot of like warning signs long term that you might get stuck in this. I mean, I can't imagine Baker Mayfield is the quarterback for the Bucks in five years like we're talking about. But yeah, I definitely think he'll be the quarterback next year. Uh, OK, so let's say he's the quarterback next year. Uh, and again, let's just let's just assume he's there for the next two years. OK, so now, again, where would you rather be? Um, you know, would you rather be the Falcons here with a good you know, baseline of players? You've got three top 10 picks on offense that that I think we can all agree. Bijan, especially Bijan and Drake London, look awesome when given the opportunities. They're just not given the damn opportunities here. Uh, so who would you rather be, Buckos or, 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 or the Falcons? Dude, if I'm Arthur Blank, you know, he's got the Home Depot money, right? Yep, Home yep, De- yep. He's a Home Depot guy? Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm I am firing Arthur Smith at the end of the year and I am what I go back to what we talked about at the top. I am going to Ben Johnson and I'm saying, What do you want? Oh my don't, goodness. Don't don't listen to old David Tepper over there. I know Dave, <laughs> oh David Tepper's got a lot of money. Arthur Blank, you have a lot of money. Yep. You can fire Arthur Smith. I mean, Dave Tepper's paying two coaches. He's paying a bunch he's Hundreds of coaches on his. You can afford to shell out for Ben Johnson and the route concepts and all that spacing, you know, for for Drake London and Bijan and um and, and all these guys. Kyle Pitts, maybe we'll see. I oh, mean, they, there's so uh, so. Can much you imagine? Can you imagine the offseason comps between if Ben Johnson goes there between Kyle Pitts and Sam Laporta? Are you kidding me? Kyle well, Pitts fantasy. to the moon, baby. Fantasy Twitter is ready for to, to do that for sure. Totally. I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't. I don't know that I've seen uh, Kyle Pitts grind in blocks like I've seen <laughs> Sam Laporta do. I don't know if I. But but the uh, they do a great job getting Laporta against man coverage, and Laporta is great against man coverage. And theoretically, Kyle Pitts and he's healthy. Yeah, that could be great. Obviously, I would love to see some of the in breaking routes like off the line of scrimmage stuff for uh for drake london that they do with amon ross st brown um and and then you've got a who's your jameson williams i don't know you can find you don't need to spend the 12th pick in the draft to get the guy i don't think <laughs> correct but, um, but still yeah I, I mean that would be a great fit that would be super fun uh they block well uh they, they you know they can they have a talented offensive line in atlanta it's just really underperformed this year so i i think like if we're thinking that Arthur Smith is gone after the year and, and Arthur blank did come out this week and say, we're, you know, we'll evaluate it at the end of the year, which means you better go three and zero with Taylor. Yeah, Heineke, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, if yeah, you yeah, exactly. want to keep this job, <laughs> yeah, totally. which is it's not a good sign. Um, usually when you're evaluating something, it means you already have kind of made the decision. you you want something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the, if you're the Falcons and the world is your oyster at the end of this year and you have a, still a lot of cap space. And you have all these young players. It's pretty pretty tempting, I think, to take the Falcons. So right now, the the Falcons too have a top ten pick, right? So um, you know, the, I'm assuming they don't make if they don't make the playoffs or whatever. I mean, the six and eight or whatever. They're not I guess they, the playoffs. Yeah, they're not going to playoffs. So <laughs> the, the, it seems like the team's completely given up on Arthur Smith. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're talking about a team that's got a top ten pick. Right. Um, uh, I, I don't know what their cap space situation. I think Tampa Bay's cap space actually situation is looking pretty good, too, uh, from what I remember. Uh, but again, I just feel like this Tampa Bay team is kind of sort of this is it. Like where where do you see them making vast improvements? I guess I don't really 
I don't really see it, you know? Um, and obviously, I think for me, it's a lot easier to project upside with Atlanta than it is Tampa Bay. I just feel like right now with Tampa Bay, what you see is kind of sort of what you get for the next three to four years, no? Yeah, and four years is a long time, right? Oh, it's, like, yeah, it's an entire, yeah, it's, it's, it's ancient. It's going to be ancient history. Right, like Mike Evans, is he going to, he even if he comes back, right? Because... Maybe they, I think they probably franchise tag Mike Evans, I guess, because he's coming off a great year, even at his age. I, and he's a Bucks legend. Like, you should, well, you should, let me take that back. You should sign him to a long term deal. Okay. Like, sign him to a long term deal. <laughs> I don't care how old he is. Right. Sign him to a long term deal. You know, Chris Godwin, uh, they'll probably have to have a contract think about him soon just because he hasn't had a, the most productive season, but he's coming on right now. You know, Rashad White, four years from now. <laughs> The running backs, unfortunately, it's like, okay, four years from now, he'll probably, they'll be ready to just let him walk, you know, whatever they yeah, have. Yeah. a They have Tristan Wirfs, who's made a great transition to left tackle. Um, yeah. They don't, they don't have like a ton of Antoine Winfield's a free agent this year. They don't have like a ton of young um, talent. Cause you know, they're still kind of, that's what's re- actually really impressive about this year is that they are still kind of working a, out of the Tom Brady era when they did totally push for a lot of vets and stuff like that. And it wasn't about like developing young guys. It was about winning Super Bowls. So they're still kind of coming off that living in like the wake of that. And they've been this really good team. I, yeah, I don't know what the bucks will look like in four years. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I just like for me, I, I just, again, I just go back to what's the upside here with Baker Mayfield. I don't see a lot. You know, I think he's played great for himself this year. No question. He's played great, uh, but I think he's played himself into a new deal, which kind of sort of makes it feel like Tampa Bay. It, it, it'd be crazy in today's NFL if they didn't bring him back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, so, they'll bring him back. They'll bring him back on the Geno um, contract, and then it's just like, what? what's it going to look like in year two? And you know how the NFL is too, man. It, it is kind of crazy. Uh, teams can can rise up so fast and they can fall so fast too. So even though right now it feels like Atlanta, I mean, you know, is one of the worst teams in football. That's what it feels like, right? Feels like Atlanta is one of the worst teams in football. The turnaround can be so fast, especially, especially when you have a good baseline of talent, which I believe uh, they have. Now I will say this though, from a defensive standpoint, Tampa Bay's set up a lot nicer. I know Atlanta's been really good defensively, Matt, but man, they have played way beyond, I think, expectations. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, you know, and, and, you know, if you clear out the coaching staff there, what does that end up looking like? You got to think that they take a step back defense. You have to think they take a step back defensively uh, next year, which could muck it all up too. So, I don't know. Anyways. It's a good point. Um, I hope. I always hope this with um, with coaches, right? Because I think you can – it can work out well. Like if you're – again, to bring Ben Johnson to Atlanta, we're, we're manifesting it, right? Like, yes. Come in Make there and, and say – come in there to say to Ryan, Ryan Nielsen, who has done – you're right – a great job as the defensive coordinator there um, in Atlanta. Be like, hey, man, I know Arthur Smith hired you, but like – Come on, stick around, keep developing these guys. And like, what do you, you're Ben Johnson. What do you care? Okay. No. Just then you could pay attention to the offense and, and, yeah. and everything like that. 
I love it. Um, all right, so there you go. That's the show, man. Uh, I just want to say, um, I know we're we're ending, we're approaching the end of the year. Uh, we've had a great year, dude. Uh, Matt, we've had a great year uh, at Reception Perception. We've really, um, obviously, uh, given a lot more content this year as well, bringing in Derek Class and his quarterback profiling, which I think has been. Um, an awesome pairing with uh, your data as well. Uh, I just wanted to thank all the subscribers, man, to, to both the rep, to, to both the website and the podcast. This podcast has done super well too, which has been a lot of fun to see the growth uh, of this particular show. Yeah. I mean, I obviously echo everything you say, you know, a lot of work goes into reception perception. Um, there's the podcast, but definitely, definitely the website. Um, and li- listen, I mean, I just, I'm glad people support it. I'm really grateful. And I, just want to keep working and putting out good stuff. Um, it's going to be a fun off season. A lot of uh, free agent wide receivers. A lot of draft prospects. Oh this yeah, class is supposed to be a good receiver class. I don't know, man. Bring uh, it. it. We're going to be we're going to be busy during draft season. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, if you if you've rocked with us all football season, I mean, stick around, man. We're going to have some great stuff coming up. All right, so there you go. That's the show for Matt Harmon. I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, peace. <laughs>